Welcome to your home for all things trending in sports. Here he comes up the Daytona Super Stretch. Eric Almarola trying to block both lanes. Trying to keep Hamlin behind him. Trying to keep Austin Dillon behind him. Dillon turns him. Eric Almarola into the wall in turn number three. Austin Dillon to the bottom of the racetrack. At the front of the field. Off of turn number four. But they're lined up side by side. Behind him is Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon leads the pack off turn number four. No one ever thought he would contend for the win. But he's going to do it. He's going to win the 60th running of the Daytona 500. From golf to NASCAR and everything in between, it's time for the Ben and Ben Show live on Com Radio and the Radio FX app. What do you see here, Tony? Oh, I thought they were going to run the ball to the right. Now he's going back left with the run. Here you go. To the left it is. Richard slipping through tackles. Now for your co-hosts, Ben Jenkins and Ben Furry. Hello and welcome back into the Ben and Ben Show. I'm Ben Free, joined with Ben Jenkins. And Ben, we have a special episode today. Once again, change of, change of scenery here. We are not in the live studio, out in one of the recording studios out here at Innovation Park. Um, and we have a special. Um, it's been a while since we've been on, on the air. Um, college football season ended while we were on our break um, in between semesters here at Penn State. So we decided... We should have a special episode and just wrap up the college football season since we both love it so much. Uh, we figured we'd give it a proper send-off before we bring it up again next year in the fall. And it's going to be a long couple months until that happens, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, it is. And, and the only reason this show uh, being a thing is due to the wonderful weather we've had here in State College. Uh, kind of showing everybody that, that football is, is gone. Of course, the Super Bowl um, at time of recording will be on Sunday night. Um, but after that, it's... Uh, not much, not much football to look forward to. I have here in the show notes. Um, time to go on YouTube and watch old Penn State games because that's about all the football fix you're going to get until, well, I guess actually after the Super Bowl, the uh, alliance, the American Football Alliance, or the Alliance of American Football, whatever that new professional league is, is going to play. But, but uh, for all things considered, actual important football is, is done after the Super Bowl this weekend. So, yep. Missing college already. Well, we still only have a couple more years till the XFL returns. So that'll be a great thing to look forward to eventually when that happens. But, Ben, back to college football season. If you have to put a bow on it here, wrap it up, what would be your overall thoughts on how the season went? It wasn't the most exciting season we've ever seen. Um, and I don't think I'm ruining anybody's anybody's day by saying that. It, you know, any season, in my opinion, is good because any season has ups and downs. Um, but but this year, really, it seems like there weren't as many ups as there were downs. You didn't see um, big weekends where three of the top four go down or, or seven of the top ten go down, and that's something that we're used to seeing in college football where there's usually at, at least one, if not two, weekends where just everything goes crazy and, and everybody loses and Clemson loses to Pittsburgh and Alabama loses to the Citadel and and all these things, which almost did happen, um, all these crazy things happen, and, and that just really didn't happen this year. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, college football season's always good. It's one of the best sports there is out there completely, but uh, I really agree. I mean, you have it written down here that there was two teams a lot better than the rest of the teams. Yeah. When it turned out when they played in the national championship, maybe one was a lot better than the other one. Um, we'll get into that a little later, but it just there wasn't seem to be – all that tension, all that chaos that we normally see during college football season. And there was a decent gap in talent. I mean, we had your top couple teams that were really, really good. Mm -hmm. I think you had like a middle group there, the probably like four or five, four to 13, 15 in the rankings kind of probably really could have been all interchangeable yeah. throughout any point of the season. And then you had a really big drop off um, for the rest of the teams in the country. So it just wasn't quite the same as it is normally, but I think it was still an entertaining season. We still had some good storylines. Um, but as far as bowl season goes, just as itself, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, a lot yeah. of blowouts, not very close games, um, which I guess that's just the type of season it was this year. Yeah. Um, you know, going into bowl season, I liked quite a few of the matchups. You're not always going to like, or you're never going to like all the matchups. But um, looking back on it and, and through bowl season as it kind of progressed, um, just like the rest of the season, I think we were really close to having some great things. 
because um, if you look at the regular season, um, you are uh, a few minutes away from Penn State beating Ohio State, and that changes everything drastically. Um, you are a few minutes away from uh, in bowl season, UCF staying on this streak. But even even looking at the scheduling scheduling for bowl games, excuse me, um, you had an opportunity to have LSU. Michigan play for I believe the first time ever LSU and Michigan somehow have never played each other you had an opportunity when you flip that to have UCF and Florida play in a marquee bowl game which would have been incredible for the Florida state of Florida couldn't have gotten out of that one exactly I mean so you look at that there were some really awesome games that could have happened and for whatever reason whoever makes that decision I have no idea who it is um, they they didn't, and so we were we were really close. But and there were good bowl games. Uh, the Penn State game was a good bowl game. Um, there were other ones. The LSU game, like I said, that was a good game. Um, the playoffs, not so much. But but there were good games scattered throughout. It just wasn't, you know. Oh, I'm dying to turn on the TV to watch the the uh, Dollar General Bowl because it's such a good matchup. Uh, we just didn't have a lot of that. And I've been. We'll shift gears here a little bit. We will get into – we did a bowl game special. We predicted every single bowl game. The results of that will come out. We'll get into that <laughs> yeah. a little later okay. um, yeah. about who did better mm-hmm. in that. Um, but before we get too far in the show, I want to talk about the college football playoff. Okay. Um, let's fix it because I think we can both probably agree that the four-team current system is not the best. Um, and if you don't think that, then you could have looked at the matchups this year and – said there weren't any close matchups, and that something should probably change there along those lines. So I have a couple things written down here, a couple <laughs> different scenarios that we can go through and see what would be the best situation for a college football playoff. But Ben, I'll start with you because this is something I've been hearing a little bit on the social medias, is people saying that the BCS system was better. Um, well, what I'll say to that is quite simply there's a reason we left the BCS, and it's because nobody was happy with that. Um, but this is just sports. This is just college sports. You're never going to have every year be absolutely perfect, absolutely incredible. And yeah, the college football playoff hasn't really been um what it was hyped up to be. I don't think we've had great games. We have we've had fantastic games. Look at that Rose Bowl, uh, now two years ago between Georgia and Oklahoma. There have been fantastic games. Um, it just didn't happen this year. And, of course, when you have a year where things are down, this is the type of conversation that's going to come up. And I do agree to an extent. There certainly does need to be change, and I wish that change would come sooner than later. But if we're being completely honest here, it's probably not going to for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you that it's not going to happen anytime soon. But we can sit here and talk about it. Yeah, um, I'm good to. So, Ben, what do you, would you think about, like, a 6-8 or 16-team playoff? Because that's kind of what I'm – Hearing is common. I think more than 16 is just too much as far as football goes. So I think 6, 8, 16 would probably be the three different options for the number of teams in this playoff. Well, I don't like 6 because then you have to give two teams a bye, correct? Yes. And yeah, that's, the top two teams would have a bye. And that's not the point of this, I don't think, because then you have the exact same thing. You have the two teams who go for a bye, Alabama and Clemson, and then you have another four-team scrum, so you haven't really solved anything. Um, 16 to me is too big. Um, cause then you're looking at cutting what three weeks out of the regular season. You're, you're going to want to play nine games a year. That doesn't, that's less than a high school team plays. Um, that does not make sense to me. I think eight is the perfect number because there's no buys. You're adding one week onto the season. There are already enough New Year's six bowl games where if you, if you assign one bowl game to each quarterfinal and one to each semifinal, that's six games, correct? That yep. eliminates all of the New Year's six games. So if you're in a New Year's Six Bowl game, you are in the playoff, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's the obvious answer to me is eight teams as well. Um, and, I mean, you have the first round at conference. Uh, their first round, the higher-seeded team would host. Um, so, like, the one through four teams would get rewarded for being better teams in quotation marks, so they would get to host the first-round games. And you'd have those New Year's Six. All those bowl games get happy. Um, you can rotate those around because, obviously – the Rose Bowl is always going to be one of the semifinal games, not one of the quarterfinal games. But you could work it out where they have like a rotation, so it's all fair money-wise. Um, I think just eight teams makes the most sense. And I think as far as it goes normally in the college football season, people are still going to say, well, you still have to distinguish who's the eighth, ninth, and tenth team. 
but I think there's a bigger difference between the yeah. 8th, ninth, and 10th team than the 4th, 5th, and 6th team. Like I think that's an easier distinction to make. Yep, I, I think it is too. I mean, if you look at um, years past, you've, you've had the situation where we can't decide between a one-loss Ohio State and a one-loss Oklahoma, or we can't decide between a one-loss, let's just say, uh, Washington Pac-12 champ, if that were the case, and a one-loss Oklahoma team this year, you know. So I think that the gap, like you said, the gap is way bigger because then you're deciding between, um, you know, a two, three-loss team maybe, and then you can really dig into it. Well, um, if you win one game, it doesn't necessarily eliminate you, but if you lose more than two, then well, your chances of making the playoff are, are pretty much impossible, and and that's a pretty easy cut to make. Is you go ten and two on the year, you've got a shot to be in. You go nine and three, eh, sorry, and you're on the outside looking in. I think that's just a little more fair, too, as it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, it is college sports, and people have bad days. Yeah. I mean, right in the current system right now, you have a bad day. Your team has a bad day. You're out of the playoff. Your season's not over, but it's pretty much over if you have national championship aspirations. So, I mean, I think this would give a little bit of wiggle room and would be a good thing. So, we both agree on eight teams. That's our first step of fixing the college football playoff here. Now, what would you think, Ben, about auto bids for the conference for the power five conference champions so you win your conference championship game you're automatically in the playoff i am a i do like this um i've gone back and forth because there are scenarios where you think of where okay if something happens to clemson this year at 12 and 0 and they lose to a terrible pittsburgh team in the acc championship game does pitt deserve the automatic bid to the college football playoff so I've, I've thought of that both ways, but um, my final answer is yes, auto bids for conference champ winners because um, if something happens along those lines, if Pitt does make it in, Clemson doesn't, um, Clemson's going to get one of those last two spots in the auto anyway, and they're still going to play in. And to be quite honest, that makes it more interesting. Um, you know, it's not Pitts, Pittsburgh in that case scenario, you know, we're just using them as an example. They're probably not going to beat whoever they play in the next round, but it sure is interesting, and it sure makes that school money. It makes mm-hmm. the fans excited. You're going to have fans come out to play. It makes the bowl game money, and the, the players, too. They are going to be so amped up to play that game because you play the Tom Brady under, underdog card here. We're not, we're not respected. You know? You're going to go out. You're going to play your hardest because they, we're just here on a fluke opportunity, and so I think you make the, the conference champions, the Power Five conference champions, auto bids, and you have an opportunity. Um, if everybody wins the game they're supposed to, it's going to be a great playoff. If somebody slips up and falls, it's going to be a great playoff. I will ask you quickly before I say my opinion on this. Do you think that the there should be a non-Power 5 team also with an automatic bid? Um, yes, I think. Uh, I'm going to have to go through my numbers again. I haven't thought about this in a while. But I think, yeah, so five that leaves three open spots. So in my opinion, you have the five Power Five Conference champions. Your sixth team in is the highest-rated group of five team, um, whether that be UCF, uh, Boise State, or App State. Those are a good opportunity, a good chance. It's one of those three schools. Um, and then your final two spots are reserved for those at large. So it can be anybody. It could be Power Five, non-Power Five, um, whatever two are are the highest ranked in the polls. All right, so I, I differ a little bit on that. I like the Power 5 conference champs get in. Like you said, if Pittsburgh were to beat Clemson, I feel like they should get in. It adds a little more excitement. Um, you see that in college hockey, college basketball, a lot of college, actually pretty much every college sport, the conference champion gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. I think it makes it fun. It gives it a little something more to play for. Um, it just makes everything a little more interesting. Um, see, I don't think that a non-Power 5 team should get an automatic bid, though. I think you should take your Power 5 champions, and then the, just the next three best teams. Um, now, this would be an issue where UCF's still going to be pretty angry if they're not one of the top eight teams. But what if there's a year where there really isn't a very good Power 5 team? I mean, normally there is. I think pretty much every year now for the past five, ten years, there's been a Power 5 team that's either undefeated or a really good one-loss team. Um, but what if you have a team that's three, four losses, and the three, four-loss Boise State's the best team? So I don't know if a nine, non-Power 5 team should just be automatically put in, but I think that a Power 5 conference champion should really be in. I mean, I think that makes sure then that you get each conference represented. 
Um, because a big issue with the four-team playoff right now is yep. there's always going to be one major conference that is not represented. And if Notre Dame's in, then two. And then two conferences are probably not going to be represented. And you have our two SEC teams better than. I mean, so you have you you'll take out that whole argument if you give automatic bids to the Power Five conferences. Now the other big discussion and question that I'll ask you is there's been a lot of talk about well if we go to the eight teams then we'll get rid of conference championship games. Now, I strongly oppose that. I think that's ridiculous. What do you think about that? I mean, I think then you'll – I mean, how will you decide which eight teams – will you just go at the end of the just season? Whoever. Polls. I mean, I feel like the conference championship games are good for that. I mean, there will be instances where that game will really matter. Um, I can't think of a thing off the top of my head right this second, but if you have a – Two teams, one's ranked seven, one's ranked nine, and let's say the Pac-12 championship game, the winner of that will pro- will get into the college football yeah. playoff. The loser probably won't, so mm-hmm. it'll really matter. So I, I like the college football championship games. I think they're a good time. They're a great game for these kids to go out and perform on a big stage. I mean, yeah. So that brings me to my next question also about conference championship games because there's something else that's been kind of popular about them is do they matter? Because, and, and I'll answer the question for myself first, um, you know, as somebody who waited a very long time, I'm sure just like you for Penn State to win a conference championship again, um, after all the scandal and everything that happened, that 2016 team will go down as one of the most historic teams at Penn State because they won a Big Ten title. And for me, that's huge. Winning a, winning a conference championship to me is incredibly important. It's huge. I'm the guy who goes out, buys the t-shirts, buys the, the pennants, buys everything because that's important. Winning a Big Ten championship, winning an SEC championship is incredibly important. Yeah, and I think it's important, too. I mean, it just it's that one extra leg that you're the conference champion. I mean, these are the teams that you play every single mm-hmm. year that you have rivalries with, and you can say that, well, we were the best team in that conference. But I will tell you, as the playoff system stands right now, they don't matter. No, they don't. Uh, there's no – I mean, they can only hurt you, really. Um, there's Winning a conference championship will not help you. Um, as we've seen multiple times throughout this short span that the college football playoffs been right as it is right now, that it doesn't matter if you're the conference champion. Unless you're Oklahoma, apparently. Well, yeah, I guess unless <laughs> you're Oklahoma. Now, it, this year it was all over. I, I don't know. You can argue it both ways, but I feel like right now the conference champions just don't matter. All right, moving on, still in this great college football playoff debate, um, you have listed next um, how to determine conference champions. So we're staying in the conference championship game. Again, do you do things Big 12 style or do you do it the way the rest of the country does and split your conference in half? You see, this is something I, I also saw online. I forget exactly where I saw it. I would shout them out. Um, but where they said you could have all the conferences, do like a rotation of the games, um, have a certain set games like Ohio State will always play Michigan, like these big rivalries stay intact, but then you just take the top two teams in the conference and you put them in the conference championship game. I thought that was a really intriguing idea because that'll also get rid of the what if Pitt beats Clemson argument because Pitt wouldn't be in the ACC championship game. Yeah, um, I think this is what we're going towards is having just the, the Big 12 style, um, but I think that's with growth and expansion. And and the way that conferences are, are designed now, I think, is, is short-term. Um, by the time that you know we're out of college and whatnot and, and on with our careers, I don't think conferences will look the same way. Um, just because of of TV rights and things like that. And, and I know there's already been rumblings on Twitter about the Big Ten and what their next step is and, and um, thoughts about they want to go round-robin style with the conference. And, and to do that, you're going to add two more teams, the Big Ten right now, 14 teams. Um, I know that I've heard, again, reports online, there is strong interest with the Big Ten in adding Oklahoma to, to the Big Ten. Um, and, of course, that's going to come basically – we talk about the Big 12 now. Um, the Big 12, I, don't, I think, is the next conference to go. Um, you know, the Big 10 has the Big 10 Network. They have the, their Fox deal. Um, you have teams like Penn State who plays every single game on TV, um, home or away. So I think you're going to see a time where these schools like Oklahoma, uh, whether they bring Texas or Oklahoma State with them, um, that's what the Big 10 wants. They want to pick up a team like that. Um, and that just makes it more interesting where you have a four-year span. Okay, so Oklahoma joins the Big Ten. They bring Texas. There's now four, there's now 16 teams in here, round-robin style. 
Every two years, Penn State and Texas play. Every two years, Penn State, Oklahoma play. Same thing with a school like Ohio State. One year you're playing at Oklahoma, you're home against Texas, you're home against Oklahoma, you're at Texas, and that just rotates. Um, and that rotates for every school. It rotates for Wisconsin, Nebraska, Indiana, Iowa. I think that's what's next because that's how these conferences are going to make money in their TV deals. And at the end of the day, that's what um, runs the sport is money. Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off that, I think the feelings that are and the rumors that are swirling around right now seem very familiar to me from when the first big conference shift happened and all these mm-hmm. conferences realign and change. I think it's only a couple of years away now that this is going to happen. And if they were to announce that, oh, the playoffs eight teams now, I think that happens instantly. I think the conferences shake up completely if they announce a major change to the college football playoff. And I, and I do agree with you. The Big 12 will be the first conference to go, especially if you pull out Oklahoma, Texas. Yeah. And because those are the big two teams of that conference for every sport. Even, I mean, Texas basketball is not very good, and they still run the Big 12. Uh, that's just the way Texas and Oklahoma are in that conference. Now, moving on here, one thing that I would like to see be added to this is more importance on strength of schedule. I just want to get your thoughts on that quickly. Yeah, um, this is another conference issue because right now the conferences have the discretion on how many conference games to play. So you have the Big Ten who plays nine conference games, uh, which really doesn't leave you much room in your strength of schedule. So you have, um, you take Penn State, for example, and you're looking at, you know, you're playing the, the Buffaloes of the world. You're playing um, next year we open up with Idaho. Uh, you're playing these schools because you have to play that extra Big Ten game, and, and you don't want to jeopardize your season before it even begins. I mean, you saw what happened last year with App State. Uh, Penn State's season almost ended in week one. Um, so you don't want that to happen. So, you know, and Penn State is growing. Their schedule is getting better. They're attacking that strengths of schedule metric. Uh, you have – you have home and homes coming with Auburn. You have home and homes coming with West Virginia, Virginia Tech, schools like that. But on the flip side of it, you schedule a game with Virginia Tech, and your other two games now are are Villanova and Delaware. So, you know, you, you got to be careful because you know unless unless each conference. So the SEC, if they say, oh, we only have to play eight games, and Alabama, your crossover games are uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Well, they're in a much better spot because now they play the Citadel, they play Mercer, they play Kentucky, they play Vanderbilt instead of Florida and Georgia. And so that's, you know, it's it's not something that you can easily fix. Um, but the conferences all have to be on the same page. Yeah, that's why I brought it up because it's not something that's easy to fix. And right now there is no reason to have a harder schedule. Um, if you're 12-0 and with wins over Villanova, yep. Temple, and Delaware – it's just You're as in. good as wins over Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, they all count the same at the yep. end of the day if you're both 12-0. and 0. So, I mean, I was just think that would be something interesting that to see how they could try to work that in there and make that a thing that teams try to go out there and schedule these marquee games. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all want to see. We all want to see the best teams play day, week in and week out. Well, Ben, we've been going on this for like 20 minutes now, and we've really solved nothing about what the best <laughs> situation is for the college football playoff. Um, and we could probably debate about this for hours. Yeah. But I think we should uh, shift gears here, wrap up Penn State football season. Um, and it definitely didn't end how they wanted it to. Um, trip to Orlando was the first part that they didn't like. Um, no New Year's Six Bowl this year. Matchup against Kentucky. and Which they also didn't like. Yeah, they did not like that matchup either. And then a loss to Kentucky at the end of the day, which is certainly not something that they want. So, Ben, I know you were down there in Orlando. Um well, just take us through that game. Uh, I don't know, what what did you see from Penn State, Kentucky in that game? Well, I think we explained the game perfectly um, in the little segue you just had there. Penn State didn't want to be in Orlando. Penn State didn't want to play Kentucky, and that was so evident at the game. Um, whether it was the Penn State fan base, who is incredibly loyal, you know that half the stadium was full of Penn State people, Um but it wasn't anything in comparison to the Kentucky fans. They were absolutely wild. They were absolutely electric. Now, Penn State's on-field performance didn't help that any, um, setting them up with an easy field goal to start and then a punt return touchdown. Um, but Penn State was flat, and that was Penn State's problem for 70% of the season. Um, after, after what happened against Ohio State, Penn State never recovered from that. Um, and, and we said going into this season that, um, there was a chance that that was going to happen, that Penn State was going to get punched in the mouth 
and they would have to come out and fight better than they did last year in 2017 because they did the same thing. They got beat twice. Uh, they went up there to Michigan State in the weather and the nastiness and got beat, and they went flat until um, you know the end of the year they pulled it out with the Fiesta Bowl. But, but other than that game, they were incredibly flat, and it was the same thing this year, and that led into the bowl game um, because, like you said, the Citrus Bowl and the Citrus Bowl is a good bowl game. Yeah. Um, it's a good bowl game. It's a historic bowl game. Uh, Orlando, beautiful that time of year. The stadium's gorgeous. Everything about that game is important. But for Penn State, it wasn't New Year's Six, and it, it showed on the field. And the thing that was really interesting for me for that game is that it seemed like the same problems that haunted Penn State all year were the reasons that they lost that game, mm-hmm. whether it was special teams, decision-making in crucial moments, um, or just – Lack of concentration, just errors that shouldn't have really happened. Small little mistakes. It was these things that came up against Kentucky that was their issue all season long. I just thought that was very interesting to me that these little things were what popped up and what ended up hurting them. And the interesting thing about it is um, Penn State's worst, in my opinion, you take out the Michigan game, um, which that Michigan team was, was just better than Penn State. They were playing better than Penn State. It was at Michigan. Penn State had so many things going against them for that. You take that game away, and Penn State's two worst games of the season against Michigan State coming off of a bye week and Kentucky coming off of a month-long break were the two games where Penn State should have played the best. And they didn't. And they didn't. So, you know, you can say, well, you know, they dropped passes and they did this and this and this, but at some point you that really makes you scratch your head that the two games that you had the most time to prepare for other than the first game of the season, when you went to overtime against the Sun Belt team, those are the games you had months, oh, an extra week for Michigan State, but the other two, a month and a whole summer to prepare for, those are your worst games of the year. And it really makes you think. That's a really good point there, Ben. Now, as far as Penn State's general for the season, I mean, I feel like the one thing that's probably the most disappointing thing for them, and I could be wrong about this, it's just that this is the way that Trace McSorley's Penn State career ended. Yep. Um, he did so much for the program, a generational quarterback for them, one of the best Penn State quarterbacks of all time now, and then that this is how his career ends, actually not even having a chance on that fourth down play at the end of the Kentucky game, which we talked about in the moment. That call, you can go either way. It's easy to look back at it now and say that was the wrong call to – kick a field goal instead of going for it. I would have made the same call. I probably would have kicked the field goal as well. And that's just, it's, it's really easy to look back on it and say that was wrong because we're sitting here now in the future and we know what happened. But I think the most disappointing thing probably for the Penn State's whole season was that's how Trace McSorley left Penn State. Yeah, and, and give Trace credit. Um, you know, if we still don't know, we probably never will. Um, but he certainly was injured in that in the Kentucky game. And if he did have the broken foot, and he led Penn State all the way back from down 28-10, 28-7, whatever it was, if he led them all the way back with an opportunity to win that game and lose by a field goal with a broken foot, that, that's, that defines his career because um, that, that's Trace McSorley. That was his whole career here at Penn State was uh, they didn't trust him. They, didn't, they doubted him. Um, I mean, and you do feel for the guy this year. Um, he did everything in his power to – uh, to push Penn State to winning games, whether it be almost 500 yards against Ohio State and still losing that game because the defense collapses, to um, you know having receivers drop balls, having um, Penn State's defense against Kentucky. You know he he leads them all the way down there to kick a field goal, uh, and you know the reason that I think it's the right call is uh, Penn State doesn't give up one first down the entire fourth quarter. They need one more stop. You get one more stop, you've traced the ball, Penn State wins this game. They can't come up with it, and his, his career ends with him standing on the sideline. So, uh, you know, and he had he, tr- he struggled this year. This was not his best year by far um, statistically, and but a lot of that comes from injuries. He had a lot of problems this year, but, but you know, he didn't go out the way that everybody thought he would. Um, I think, honestly, more people expected him maybe two years ago to go out holding up another trophy, maybe even a national championship trophy, and not walking off the field in the Citrus Bowl after a loss to Kentucky. And I think the thing that I really remember from that is in the fourth quarter, him running up and down the sidelines, getting the crowd into the game, everyone going nuts. And in my head, I was like, here it is. This is his moment. He's going to bring them back. 
He's going to somehow win this game. Yep. He's going to do it again, and he's going to go off. And it, it didn't happen like that for him. And, I mean, it doesn't always. No, it doesn't. Some of the best stories for some of these best players, they don't end well. Um, not every story has a happy ending. Um, but Trace now is at the Senior Bowl. Just wrap that up. We'll look to try to make an NFL roster. Um, after that Senior Bowl performance, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, hopefully Jason Cabinda doesn't come and yell at us for saying that. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he – so hopefully he'll make an NFL roster. Maybe not. But if not, I know he'll have a career in Canada in the CFL. Um, so all the best for Trace McSorley. Well, the other thing to look about is Trace has, um, you know, brought up the coaching world before. And, and if you look at a guy like him – um, you know, who knows where that coaching career starts, who knows when that coaching career starts, but uh, you got to think um, with the relationship he and James Franklin have, if he gets some experience under his belt, Trace McSorley may be in Nittany Lions colors again in not too long of a time. It just might be on the sideline, maybe even coaching quarterbacks. So we'll see, um, but I definitely don't think we've seen the, the, the end of Trace McSorley. And I'm going to wrap up the 28th. Penn State football season by saying this nine and four season is still good. Yes. And Penn State fans should still be happy about that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of teams in this country that would love to be nine and four. And Penn State fans should get used to it because they're going to have another one next year. But anyway, oh, before I get too far about ourselves, we have to deal with the transfer portal, <laughs> um, which it has taken the world by storm. Um, in my head, I just imagine players like jumping in this portal. Yeah. I, I don't know the name of it. <laughs> It is what it is, the transfer portal. I don't, I don't know. Kind of like a fantasy, someone holding a Lamont Wade going up and turning on this portal and jumping in and saying, I'm leaving. But then he hops back and says he's staying here. But, Ben, what is happening with the transfer portal? Is it a big deal? Well, um, there are 11 Penn State players um, in the transfer portal. Uh, at least there were at one point. Now, um, actually, I'm sorry, there were more. There were 12 Lamont Wade pulled his name out. Now there are 11 Penn State players in the transfer portal. A handful of those have announced that they've found new homes and will finish their playing careers somewhere else. Um, and Penn State fans are up in arms about this. Uh, basically, it's chicken little, the sky's falling, um, what's going on here? And to be honest, it's really people overreacting. Uh, that's And I 100% feel that way. That's not me putting on... Um, something just for the sake of talking about this, people are really overreacting because there are other... If Penn State was losing starters, there is a serious problem. Yeah. Something's going wrong. There's a locker room issue. What's happening are Penn State's losing second and third stringers, which is okay because most of these kids, um, except for Lamont Wade, and now he's back, um, these guys have already gotten their Penn State degrees or they will come May. So they're free to go wherever they want. They would have been free to go wherever they want anyway. They're just announcing it earlier due to this new transfer portal. Yeah. Um, and so if you look somewhere like Virginia Tech, uh, their starting quarterback is leaving. Two of their starting wide receivers are leaving, and that's just on offense. That's a problem. That, that's a big problem. You have an issue there. Something's going wrong in that locker room. Here, it's just seniors wanting to play because Penn State's recruiting has skyrocketed these last two years. You have – a top 10 class last year, which was the best class to come through Penn State in you know, maybe forever, or the early 2000s at least. And then this year, the class just passed that class in average rating. And, you know, I cover recruiting for the Collegian, and so um, pretty, pretty, uh, I spent a lot of time in that area. There's, it's going to grow. It's going to grow. February 6th is signing day, and um, if, if Penn State's class doesn't grow by then, I will quit the Ben and Ben show because it's going to grow and it's going to get better. So you've got these two really good classes coming in, like nationally good classes. If you're a senior and you're stuck behind a true freshman, you're never going to play. Get out. Go play for uh, Boston College. Go play for Delaware. Go play for a school like this. Enjoy football because for these guys, there is no next level. You might as well enjoy it while you have a chance. I mean, I completely agree. It's really not that big of a deal. I mean, we see it at big programs all the time. Just the transfer portal is putting it in the spotlight a little bit more now that there's this portal for it. And it just enhances people doing it. Because here's the other thing. If you go into the portal, it doesn't mean you have to leave. Yeah, exactly. You might as well put your – if you see the writing on the wall, you know, hey, I'm not going to play next year. It's my senior year. I have my degree. I can go somewhere, start right away. You might as well enter the portal, see who's willing to give you an offer. 
if the portal existed last year, I guarantee Tommy Stevens would have been in it. Yeah. He's back. He probably would have been back anyway. But all the transfer portal is, is once you put your name in that database, it allows college coaches from other schools to talk to you, to offer you a scholarship, and it allows you to go visit. That's all it does. You could go look at four schools, take visits, say, I'm not really feeling it. Come back to Penn State, welcome, and you're still here. Uh, that's all it is. It's just a way for literally all it is is so other coaches can see who is interested in transferring somewhere and talk to them. That's it. Um, and next year, Penn State's bringing in two quarterbacks in this recruiting class. I guarantee at least one of those ends up in the transfer portal. Yeah. That's just the nature of college football is. Um, and I know there's going to be people out there that say, oh, well, uh, you know, kids are soft these days because back 30 years ago you would have sat it out until your senior year and then taken over. If you can play somewhere else and you enjoy that school and you enjoy the culture and you think you can help that team, go for it. I mean, that's that's what this part of your life is about. Like I said, these guys probably aren't going to play in the NFL. So you have four years left to play the sport that you love. Go play it somewhere. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, the transfer portal is just also making it a little more organized, the whole transfer process. Um, and I'm going to throw a little college hockey at you here, um, which you're probably thinking, how does this have to do with the transfer portal? But in college hockey, they just got the transfer portal a year or two ago. They just had it instituted for them as well. Um, and in, I have to say, it was October, November, um, I covered men's hockey for the Collegian. We had Penn State's associate head coach um, talk to the media one week. The head coach was off doing some recruiting. Um, and Penn State has a graduate transfer in their team this year. who's the first one in the program. So, obviously, the talking to the associate head coach, a lot of the conversation was about recruiting as he handles a lot of that. And the transfer portal was brought up. And he said that now that this transfer portal exists, you're going to see maybe two or three trans graduate transfers a year to probably eight or nine every season mm-hmm. just because it makes it easier. He said before, you know, I'd call one of my connections up and be like, hey, I heard this kid is transferring. Like, is this true? And then you'd have to get in contact with the kid. And it was just like a whole process to get this transferring. But now your name comes up, the name's there, the number's there, everything's right there. So that's college hockey's example, but it's exactly the same for football. It just makes it a lot easier. And yes, 11 Penn State players are in the portal, but what we're not hearing is how many players are coming to visit Penn State and how many players Penn State's reaching out to. If they lose six or seven, Penn State's probably going to bring in four or five players from the portal as well. It's just going to be something that's normal every college football offseason. Oh, I guarantee you that if um, Penn State finishes with signing day on the 6th, and there are four scholarships open, they're not just going to sit on those scholarships. They're going to fill them. And and the one thing about the transfer portal that I think people are losing sight of, if you're in the portal, you're in there for a reason. So, you know, while these guys can provide good depth, and that's probably what most of Penn State's going to do, there's a reason that guys like Brandon Polk are in the transfer portal. Um you know, there's a reason that people like Zach McPherson are in the transfer right. portal. We're not seeing KJ Hamler go in the exactly. transfer portal. Yeah. And so, you know, that that's a double-edged sword, though. So, um, you know, Penn State's going to replace the guys that leave with probably other guys um, who come in. And those guys aren't going to save your program. They can certainly help. Now, one of those wide receivers we talked about from Virginia Tech, who is a starter on that team, is taking a visit here to Penn State in April, the weekend before the Blue-White game, actually. Um, so if you can get a guy like that, um, he's going to have to sit out the year, and, and that's a late start anyway, but but that's instant help. Um, so you're going to find guys like that. But in my opinion, the biggest place that a school like Penn State can benefit from the transfer portal is the offensive line and the defensive line, um, especially this year where you had a lot of guys declare early. You lost two offensive linemen to the draft. Um, you know, If you can get a guy out of the transfer portal – they're really looking hard at a kid from Virginia right now who has been a starter there. That's an ACC starter. He's probably not your next first-round draft pick on the offensive line. But, you know, he can come in early in the year, take that starting spot if needed. If not, somebody gets hurt. He's a great person to step up and fill that role. Um, and offensive linemen are easy. If you like the way they play, if they have energy and they, they have a love for the game of football, Bring them on in. If you're 300, 315 pounds, they can teach you the Penn State scheme. You know, it's not like a wide receiver where everything's changed. So offensive linemen, to me, a school where Penn State benefits, where smaller schools like someone like Temple can really benefit from a Penn State wide receiver leaving. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all going to work out in the end, and it's just something that college football fans need to get used to. It's not something that's going to go away. It's only going to get bigger. Um, all right, Ben, so I'm going to move on now. We talked a lot about the transfer portal. We could, again, talk about this all day. Um, but since you are so heavily involved in recruiting, just give a little quick synopsis. Where, how's Penn State doing this year? I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier. What can we expect from this class that is going to be coming in? Well, right now, Penn State's ranked 10th in the country. Um, according to 247, which is, if you don't know, the pretty much the big recruiting website. Um, 247 has Penn State 10th. Uh, but if you look at Penn State's average commit rank, um, they're quite a bit higher. They're, uh, people have them in the top five. Um, a lot of what 247 does is they combine the three recruiting websites. Um, so there's like three main recruiting websites, and they each come out with their own rankings. And so 247 combines those all into one ranking and averages them out. So that's why everybody uses them. But they also have their own ranking system. Um, and if you just look simply at, at the uh, 247 rankings for Penn State, I believe they're number four in the country. Um, so this is a good class. I mentioned earlier, last year's class, your average rating was 91 um, this year. Or sorry, 9170, so .9170 this year. Point nine one seven nine. So the class has just jumped uh, over last year's class, and like I said, there's room to grow. Um, Penn State going to add a few more kids um, in the next couple days. They've got some some kids coming onto campus. They had Doug Nestor on, who's an Ohio State commit. Um, hopefully, we'll flip over to Penn State. That's what kind of the news is. The rumors are swirling that he really does like Penn State. Another one, uh, Nick Cross, is from Maryland, committed to Florida State. He's on campus this weekend. He'll decide on signing day on the 6th. So uh, those guys, both high four stars, both guys who can come in and play right away if they have to. Um, kind of not quite Micah Parsons, but but guys who can compete for, for starting time and probably won't redshirt. Um, so Penn State, a lot of room to grow. I think if they get those guys, they end up nationally five or six. All right, well, thanks for that, Ben. We're going to do that periodically throughout the semester and throw you a little recruiting updates. Because I honestly know nothing about recruiting, and I think it's very interesting, and people love to hear it. And so. the fun thing about recruiting is, you know, 2019 ends February 6th, but 2020 started three months ago. So, you know, as soon as the 2019 class, as soon as we stamp it, close the book, and put it on the shelf, uh, this weekend Penn State's got a ton of 2020 kids on campus, so it just starts all over right again. It's a never-ending circus. It is never-ending, and that's why college football is so great, because now you end the season, uh, you start paying attention to recruiting, so you have that to keep you occupied. Boom, transfer portal hits. Now you have four months of transfer portal, and then it's boom, right back into recruiting. So it never ends. All right, but now we're, I'm going to move on to something that I've been waiting to talk about yeah. for months. I know you have. We did a bowl game special before all the bowl games. We predicted all the games, and I came out on top by one game. I was 23-16 and 16 in my bowl game predictions. And Jenkins, you were 22 and 17. I beat you by one game. And it I've been happy about this ever since. What was my record to start? Was it I believe you were like 9, 10, and 0 to start? 10 and 0, 9 and 0 to and start then bowl season. You just collapsed. Yeah. And I then think, you came back at the end a little bit. I think I went eleven or so games in the middle without picking the right the right winner. So uh you know, and, and some of that wasn't my fault, I'd say. I I didn't expect Wilger not to play for West Virginia, but I think you also got that one wrong. Yeah. But, yep, props to you. You uh, 23-16, and 16, that's a big win, and um, I don't think I'm going to forget that for next bowl season. And, you know, you could have had a chance if they played the first responders bowl. Yeah, I could. Yeah, we, you, we could have tied, but they really screwed you on that one. Uh, but anyway, so just we kind of got in this a little earlier about the thoughts on the bowl games. I'll say one of my favorite bowl games this year, not a lot of people mention it, the Birmingham Bowl. Memphis and Wake Forest went back and forth all game. Wake Forest ended up beating Memphis in overtime. I thought it was an excellent game. One of my most highly entertaining games that people didn't talk about. Yeah, I have a couple here because um, I can never pick just one. Uh, just from a pure enjoyment factor, uh, the Alamo Bowl, Washington State, Iowa State, we said going into it that was going to be incredible. And unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the whole thing because I had to get up early to go to uh, Penn, or to go to Florida uh, for the bowl game festivities. But 28-26, Washington State on top of Iowa State. What a ball game. 
There is always some magic in that Alamo Bowl. There is. All, it's always a good game. Uh, it, it's incredible. I don't know what's in the Alamo Dome, but it's something because every single time that game, it, it's always great. It's incredible. So that was a close game that I liked. The other two I have written down are blowouts that made me happy. The first being Army putting up 70 on Houston in the Armed Forces Bowl. That's not something we see every day from Army. That was awesome. Uh, that's a group of kids that, that deserves a performance like that. Uh, the only the only complaint I have is that the Army team was in the Armed Forces Bowl because, honestly, that Army football team was good enough, and they went to overtime with Oklahoma. Oklahoma went to the playoff. That Army team should have had a New Year's Day bowl game, and I don't think anybody can change my mind. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that game, and I, we both picked Army. We both cited how Houston had defensive line problems, defensive issues as a whole. But when it comes down to it, you have a month to prepare for this game, and you give up 70 points to a triple option team. A team that doesn't throw the ball. I mean, I love the triple option. I think it's awesome. It should be saved in college football, but it's really not that complicated. You put up, or you That's gave why up, teams like Army run it. Yeah, <laughs> you gave up 70 to a team that doesn't throw the ball. That's on the ground. 70 points on the ground, there's no explanation for that. All right, so I remember watching that just in belief that Army put up 70 points against them. As bad as that defense was, I didn't think it would be that bad. And apparently the high-ups at Houston agree because the entire coaching staff got fired. Well, so. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you give up 70 points without the team throwing the ball on you, that will happen. Now, Ben, I see the other game that made you happy. Yeah. Um, would that be Alabama losing? It would be. Um, Clemson 44-16 over Alabama. Uh, I know I was dancing around my apartment like a – like a young child. Um, I know a lot of people were. I know um, my family back home watching was, was going crazy for that one. Um, and it's, you know, I, I am, I consider myself a Clemson fan. I do. Um, but just to see that happen to uh, to Alabama, the Darth Vader of college football, um, you know, it kind of felt good. I'm not going to lie. It did. Yeah, I mean, I remember... And I, this might be me being a bad sports fan, but I went to bed before the game was over. I was bored. Uh, I didn't need to see Clemson run out the clock. But anyway, <laughs> going on to a game that, well, I don't know, can't really say it was boring because it didn't happen. The first responders bowl, I mentioned it a little earlier, how you could have tied me up on the bowl results. But, Ben, they canceled the game. Yeah, They just canceled it. I mean, they just canceled it. I never thought they would just say, oh, yep. Bad weather, we're just not having it. Yeah, and all, and all joking aside, this kind of makes me a little mad. Um, because just think about if you're one of those fans. If you're a Boston College fan um, and you pay all the money to go to, what, Dallas for the game? Yeah. You pay all the money, you buy the ticket, you fly to Dallas, you get a hotel, you get a rental car, you do all of that sort of thing. You're there three days before the game. You're hanging out in the bars and the restaurants. You're putting all this money in the city of Dallas. You get to the game. You, it's like 7-0, 7-7, whatever in the first quarter, second quarter, boom, lightning storm. Oh, we're not even going to try again tomorrow. Just get on the plane, go home, whatever. Thanks for thanks for your money. I would be livid. And I know um, the Boston College athletic director made it right and actually refunded the people who bought tickets through the university, but that would make me so furious. Why couldn't you have moved that game to the next day? Why couldn't you have had it on – Monday or whenever, if it was on a Saturday, like, come on. These people paid so much money. And it's not like you have another event to get ready for, yeah. right? I mean, this game was in the in the, in the Cotton Bowl. Is that where it is? I, I don't really know. I forget where it but, exactly was played, but there should have been no reason why they couldn't play it the next yeah, day. Yeah, I'm assuming there's not another bowl game the next day. You right. should be fine to play this game. That's what happens in sports when an event gets canceled and postponed to the next day. Because I heard the issues were like, oh, with staff and security. Well, that's what happens when you work for a sports team. It gets canceled. You work the next day. I mean, that's just the way it is. Where's the Super Bowl this year? Uh, Atlanta. In okay. the new Mercedes-Benz. Okay, well, it doesn't apply. But say say this is a year where the Super Bowl is at MetLife. <laughs> they get a blizzard. <laughs> there's a Yeah, there's a blizzard. Do we just say, sorry, people who traveled all the way from Los Angeles for the game. Super Bowl's canceled. We'll see you next year. No, that's <laughs> not what they do. So... This is a championship game, just like that's a championship game. Um, so there was no reason for this game to be canceled. It should have been postponed the next day and played. That way we could talk about it, and one of the groups of teams could have rings and they could have stories to tell for the rest of their lives. How about the seniors on that team? Well, that's what I was just going to get to is we both played football in high school. Yeah. Um, 
So that's obviously not the same as Division One college football. But could you imagine that your season's over, you get selected for this bowl game, then you practice for a month after that, away from your family during the holiday season for practice preparation for this game, yeah. and that just doesn't happen, and it's also your last game. Like I, I just couldn't imagine. Yeah, a lot of I, a lot of guys on Boston College and Boise State. No offense to those teams, but again, they're not going to the NFL. Probably ninety percent of them. So that was it, and and that's just that that really stinks. All right, Ben. So we're gonna wrap it up here with what are we gonna see next season? Are we gonna have Alabama Clemson Part Five? I think so. Um, I have a little footnote here. I'm really interested to see if Alabama drops off now. Um, they're bringing in, I'm pretty sure, the number one recruiting class again. No surprise there. But on the coaching side, Nick Saban is very used to coaching turnover. Um, that's a factory for coaches. He probably has the biggest coaching tree of anybody in college sports. But they have lost since the season ended. Their offensive coordinator, their quarterback's coach, their wide receiver's coach, their offensive line coach, and their defensive coordinator. That's a lot to rebuild. That's not one or two guys. You are rebuilding almost your entire coaching staff. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of loss. Even for a team like that, that's a lot of loss. And you see it more than just talent as in coaches. Just think about being a player in that situation. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, you've lost your line coach. You've lost the quarterback coach, who you do work with. Mm -hmm. You've lost your offensive coordinator. Like, you've lost everyone. Yeah. everyone. When you show up for spring football, everyone's new. Yeah, you're wearing the same colors, but you don't recognize anything Nick else. Nick Saban's yeah. still there. But yeah. <laughs> other than that, every single person's new, which is just crazy to me. That See how they're going to sustain this, and I'm sure they will. Yeah, and, and so the only thing that that gives, um, if you don't want to see Alabama Clemson again, the only thing that gives you hope for is, well, if they do – take a step back so if they lose a game in the regular season or maybe um this is a far shot but if they lose two games in the regular season can LSU step up in that division can Georgia take that final step and and make it in again can a team like Florida who had a promising year um last year in Dan Mullen's first year can they take advantage of a down Alabama and do something about it um and I think we're going to see some some big teams like that be down next year, quite possibly. A whole lot of ifs here to end the show. What will happen next year? And you know what, Ben? We're not going to know until next August. But we still have a lot of time to talk about it. We do still have a lot of time to talk about it. I think that's going to wrap up our college football wrap-up special here. Um, we decided to do this just to put a nice little bow on the college football season. So we thank you for listening into this. I'm Ben Free. For Ben Jenkins. Look out for new episodes of the Ben and Ben Show every Thursday night. And remember, two Bens are better than one.